smart people have told me these things. I'm just an old hillbilly that lives in the woods, but I'm smart enough to listen to wiser people. Now the old wise people that taught me all these things that are important are mostly gone. So it's important that I pass it on since someone took the time and trouble to tell me. Hey everybody, this is Nikki Tamburino and you're listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast, the show that explores the why of running for people who love to run. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at my new account, Nikki underscore Tamburino, for all the latest inspiration from our guests, information on how maybe running will help, and how you can use our sport for personal development in your life. Guys, today I'm sharing with you my recent conversation with Gary Cantrell, aka Lazarus Lake. He's also been called Evil Genius, the Leonardo da Vinci of Pain, and a master of sadomasochistic craft. But he'll describe himself as just an old hillbilly who lives in the woods. His races have developed an almost cult-like following, and you can consider me a member. Ever since the 2014 documentary on the Barkley Marathons, I have been obsessed. In today's episode, we'll talk about who Laz really is, how he does what he does, and why we should dream big dreams and make them happen. Let's get started. I am so, I have so many questions for you, like the most random questions. I hope you are like <laughs> ready to answer like ridiculous things today. Oh yeah. I'm, I think in a pretty random fashion. <laughs> Perfect. Me too. <laughs> um, so I want to learn more about you and like what, like how your brain works and like um, just so many things, but I want to start with like this or that. They're not necessarily like running related, just like in general, this or that. So you ready? Okay. Okay. Um, would you rather see the future or change the past? Uh, I'd rather see the past. <laughs> okay. Haven't, haven't you always wondered what the world used to look like? Yeah, I guess in terms of like your past, though, would you rather change the past <laughs> oh. <laughs> or or like see into your future? Uh, boy, probably neither one of those. You, you, right. you can't change the past because then you would lose the present. Right. You would lose the lessons that you learned. And you don't want to see what's coming because it's all, life is like a journey run. You Not knowing what's around the what next bend is what makes it fun. <laughs> I totally agree with you. That was tough. All right. Here's the easier one. Smooth or crunchy peanut butter? Oh, I don't like peanut butter. <laughs> Can you not like peanut butter? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's like a staple. Actually... I, I always ate peanut butter when the when the kids were little. And I have a tendency to eat everything in sight, uh, especially things like chocolate chip cookies or ice ice cream. So I started laughing like peanut and that way when they if they made a thing up and it was peanut butter, it would sit around until they ate it all. If it's chocolate chip cookies, I'm gonna eat everyone the same, the first day. All right, fair enough. All right, uh, how about would you rather ask for permission or forgiveness? Um, I've been on the other side of that too many times. I would definitely ask for permission because <laughs> I go scorched earth when people take that approach with me. Okay, all right. <laughs> and, I, and, I have and you have what? I have a farm. People. Oh. Uh, 
people tend to think that if you're outside of the city limits, it's like wilderness territory and you can right. do what you want, not yeah. recognize that for people with a farm, you might be a half mile from my house, but you're in my fucking yard. <laughs> I hear you. That was a good one then for you. Yeah. All right. How about this one? Eye for an eye or turn the other cheek? Uh, yeah, there's there's not much uh there's there's not much profit in seeking revenge. So but I'm not necessarily going gonna believe in turning the, the other cheek. I knew these are gonna be a little bit difficult. Those two is meet force with force. Okay. Fair enough. Do you have any tattoos? No. I well, have what? scars. My in my generation, we collected scars to remember the stupid things we did. <laughs> Perfect. And when I was a kid, the previous generation had been a tattoo generation. So my first exposure to tattoos was seeing what happens to them with time. Oh gosh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do you think is more important? Book smart or street smart? There's a difference. <laughs> I think so. I'm definitely way more street smart, like than school smart. Like I did not do well in school, but I can figure my way around. I was I was not uh, not a great scholar, but I've read a lot of books. <laughs> okay, I feel like you're challenging me as much as I'm challenging you with these questions, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> um, okay, well. That was fun. I have more, but I want to definitely get to the interview and talk a little bit about you and what you do. And uh, I have new thoughts and then I, I have thoughts and questions that I thought out. But first of all, I wanted to like find out a little bit about your background. Like when did you start running and did you start running ultras or did you start running in like some other like distance? No, I started running in 1966 in October of 66, there had been some kind of a um, newscast coverage of this family that did this thing called jogging. And it was, it was like the first of these endless running crazes. And my dad and his friends started going to the local track and running a mile every day. And I went down and ran and it was the first thing I ever beat my dad at. We, well, I beat him in a game of checkers when I was about eight. <laughs> We're, we're a, we were a very sports-minded, competitive-oriented family, and it was not a family where you let kids win. Okay, gotcha. My poor kids got to enjoy the same thing. When they finally won, they won. And why should you let kids win? Because you're on different tracks. Your career is going in different directions than your, direction than your kids. Yep. So you better beat them now. <laughs> Right. You might not be able to later. Now, were you, was your family the kind, like my dad was like, he wouldn't let us win, but once somebody went, won something that he was done with that, like sport, like that thing. No, no, we, we continued to play. The kids probably lost more, uh, lost more of the enthusiasm. Case played me backgammon for on and on and on and on and on and on before he finally won. It was like, the best thing is, I know I really won. Kids <laughs> and we played board games, and I think they should have board games in school because I would tell them, I'd say, I'll play you. I'll play anytime you want, as many times as you want. But 
you have to be able to tell me what is your strategy and what are your tactics? How are you going to try to win this game? And what maneuvers are you going to make to try and implement that strategy? Well, that sounds like cheating. You're trying to get their secrets before you start playing. Oh, no, they, they don't have to tell me before they play. They just oh. have to play the game. You don't not. Well, this is after the, the age of uh, Candyland and shoots and ladders and all those. You just roll the dice and you go. But even in those, you can try to affect your, your probabilities. Any, any game where you have choices. Well, backgammon is a game I remember playing, but I just don't remember anything about it. Like what, I can't remember how that, how you even play that right at this point. I just, I remember the board with the like triangle yeah. things and the pieces. What was this, what was the idea of that game? You, you roll the dice and you, you can move two different men or the same men. You move the total number and you have to get around the board. You can knock, you're going in opposite directions. They start in your home and you start in their home. Yes. You get your men past each other and get them all into home and take them off the board. Yes. Okay. It's kind of coming back to me now. I think we still have one of those boards like in the attic somewhere. I'll have to like bring that out. But I remember that. Yeah, we definitely played that. And then a lot of cards. We played a lot of. So, yeah, for sure. Um all right, cool. So, I mean, that gives me kind of like an idea of where kind of maybe you come from with this strategic mind and wanting to challenge people. And like, I'm definitely understanding a little bit more about that. You did this track thing with your dad uh, and you beat him at that. And then. Well, then I ran in high school and I ran track and cross country. And uh, with, a, with a lot of hard work, I achieved mediocrity. <laughs> uh, we were a sports-oriented family. I always thought you go to high school, you should you should be on a sports team. But there was this an issue that being a my start of my sophomore year, I was five feet tall and weighed seventy pounds, and and I was not I wasn't the little bitty kid who's really quick and fast. Uh, I was also slow, so there wasn't uh, you know sports options are pretty much uh, track and cross country. Yes, right. Yep, even, I've heard this story before, yeah. <laughs> even ones with weight limits, but like the smallest weight limit is 90 pounds. And if you're 70, you're still hopelessly behind everybody else. I did grow to normal size. I just didn't do it <laughs> way too late. Um, I kept running. I, I kept thinking if I worked at... I was a victim of the thing that they tell kids. If you want something bad enough, you can do it, or you can do anything you want if you try hard enough, and blah, blah, blah. Not true. You cannot yeah. overcome some limitations. I learned instead, you you know, the strolling gym, I guess, would be a turning point because I'd gone all the way up to ultras trying to find a distance where I would be really good. Be right. Because... You like you say, what are my attributes? I'm not fast, but I I work hard. I'm always in good shape, and I can take a lot of punishment. So you move up, only to find that everyone else who moved up in distance have the same attributes. So <laughs> you never really move. Yeah, you've left behind the people who don't move up because they don't have those attributes. 
weeks, but you're still in the same position you were in before. And so I got all the way to ultras and there were the nearest ultras were in either New York City or Miami. So you created an event so that you could compete. So I could compete only to find out that even at ultras, I'm just not really very good. But at directing ultras, I, I did much better than that. Okay. I like to organize things. And you like to challenge people and push people. Yeah. Like like you did with your kids and the games and you want people to have a strategy and really think about uh, how they're going to complete like whatever challenge is coming up. So that makes sense. And what what is it about like you organize a bunch of different races? So I guess starting with Strolling Jim, can you tell us like about the races that you organize and like what is the difference between each of them? We started out with the, the virtual race started yesterday the oh, really? i'm i'm postponing today's miles to to do this but oh. as soon as we're done i'll be hitting the road uh you know you just and and really the gv rat it's something that i've done for a long time which is to make routes on the map and as i log my miles i follow along where i would be on that map and okay. when you get another city you look it up and see what's what's there what would you see if you were there and then when you go on you're anxious to get to the next city and see what's there they enter their miles every day and it moves them along the map and they're all i just looked i am 202nd i had a 10 mile first day and i'm 202nd place we're all crossing the pocket train bridge, the causeway. Have you been to New Orleans? No. <laughs> well, it's it's a 24 mile long bridge over the Lake Pocket Train. So they enter their miles every day and it moves their little person up the map. And I've <laughs> gone through when there's about 70 or 75, what I call waypoints. When you pass a place that there's something pretty, that something happened, when you cross into a new geological zone, uh, it might be a story of a little snippet out of history, a picture of some special building, or just telling you what's what's under the ground where you're running on. Because this race, you start on land that was laid down the present day in the latest flood of the Mississippi River. And then you travel back over geological time zones. There's a little hink in the middle, but you basically go back 450 million years. They'll enter their miles that day and you don't know where your waypoints are. So maybe nothing will come up or maybe you get an email when you enter your miles that says, here's where you got today. I'm working on a Trascon course because I want to go from uh, uh, whatever that beach, something beach, and I keep forgetting, uh, starts with an F, beach in Delaware to San Francisco. Okay. Next summer, because I think I'll be 70, I want to walk across the country when I'm 70. Wow. Okay. Because that, that'll be fun. Not every 70-year-old does it. I know there's smart ass 70 year olds out there that do it, do it really fast, but it'll be a feat if I just make it at all. Okay. 
So every day when I do my, I started training for that in January, plan to start in April. And every day as I do my miles, I take that many miles on the map and I studied in detail to plan my route. Because I learned a lot from my last transcon about route planning. And when you get out there and something's messed up, you know, if you come to something you can't get through, and you got to go 30 miles around it. Well, that's not a big deal in a car. Right. It's a really big deal on foot. I don't even know how you plan for Like, I told you in my email, like, I can't even read a map. Like, and I know that's, like, super embarrassing. But, like, because of, I think, smartphones and everything, like, I rely so much on my, like, GPS and my phone for things. It's, like, embarrassing. So when I think of races, like, that you're like, okay, you give people a map or like that. I'm like, there's just absolutely no way. But like, what do you think is the, I don't know, what's your favorite one that you do? What's your favorite like race that you put on? Oh, the backyard. If it depends on what, what you're talking about in the current moment. If I could go back to when I could run, yeah, the backyard ideally suits my attributes. It's, uh, it's only 4.1667 miles in an hour. Okay. And Which, you do that as many times as you, don't you can. Have to do it, but you have to do it every hour. So right. you, you have to you have to be very consistent. You can't have an off hour. I mean, you can, you don't have to have any great hours, but every hour you've got to step up to the line and perform. And it requires going with very little sleep, which is something that something that I'm inherently good at and have, have been getting better. What's the longest? What's like the record for that? 101 hours, 420 miles. Oh, wow. 420 continuous miles over a little over four days, right? Oh, gosh, no. I like my little marathons. I'm good with my little, I'll do like a marathon for like three hours and then I'm done <laughs> till next training season. That's it for me. But that's cool. Like to me, like that backyard race sounds totally doable, right? I'm like, okay, like, you know, a little under five miles every hour. Like that's no big deal. But it really is the best thing about the backyard is it doesn't matter if you've never gone more than 10K, you can right. do two yards and go further than you've ever gone before. Right. If you've never done a marathon, you, you do six. And if you've never done a, a 50K, you do eight. If you've never done a 100K, you can do 15. There's Everybody is looking to go their furthest. It enforces rational pacing. You can't go out real fast. And you can't just get caught up in this thing where you walk and walk and walk and walk later on. You've got right. to continue. To move. You don't ever have to move fast. You just have to move. So people astound themselves with how far they can really go. Right, right. It's just about going further than you thought you could. And and, it, and every level can participate. It's special because all the runners get together every hour. Starting about 45 minutes after the, the start, people start to gather around the, the starting area and they sit in their chairs and sit outside their tents and talk and have a good time. And then you line up at the hour and go off again. And if you and somebody really fast started a conversation and you want to finish it, you just run together. No reason not to, because everyone's tied at the end of every hour. 
That's so awesome. So when is that race? Uh, Biggs is in October. There are about 500 backyards in 70 something countries now. All of those those races qualify and in even number even numbered years you have national championships and they all run on the same day at the same time and we all link on the internet and all the national championships compete to see whose country can get the most because it's the top 15 from your country and it's which country's best 15 runners can get the most laps so there's a scoreboard that's kept every hour and so everyone's in a race where they're racing for the national championship but they're on a team together so they're all pulling each other up to to go further it's the top 70 it's the it was 37 national champions from the last from the 2022 races and then the top uh 40 runners or 35 runners outside of them to get the top 75 runners in the world and they'll all be here in my yard and we'll compete for the individual championship what i oh like about the yard is the distance of the race is the distance around my yard because we started the first one we wanted to have a race here and there's just i mean it's 150 acres it's not like a national park but it's, it's nice and pretty and wooded and it has trails that i've built we thought what kind of a race could we have well you're only just a family i mean it's not like we're an organization that has a bunch of money to spend so what can we do that's easy to put on doesn't require a lot of resources and doesn't require a lot of space but it's still fun so we came up with the backyard yeah that's amazing so you're going to be hosting like these 70 some people from all over the world in your backyard yeah there will be about 40 different countries represented and it's really uh it's really a fun thing because it's it brings people together the nature of that competition if you're qualifying you qualify in another race well the race ends when only one person finishes a lap okay right so right. you can't go somewhere to qualify by picking a race where it's easy to win you have to you have to get other, other people have to do good for you to do good you see these crazy things come out i've seen you know you'll get in a race and they get out there and they've been running for a day and a half two days and the one they're down to two and the one guy says you know i i know i'm beat i've i've had it so but we have to go three more hours for you to qualify to move on oh my i'm gonna stay out here three more hours just to help you advance and uh is this not the best part of sports it's consistent to to be you know to see what what the how attached the runners get because they're going through all of this together hour after hour after hour and it's it's not as easy as it sounds to run for 70 hours i mean that doesn't sound easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's harder than that it's That's like so the transcon i tell, tell people you know it's about 3500 miles which is a lot further than it sounds and they say no it sounds really far said, that's what i thought before i did it and when i did it, i found out no it's further than i thought <laughs> it's even further um is that your favorite race to like spectate or is one of the other ones like more fun for you to be a, be there and like watching I always like the one I'm at. It's kind of like the, yeah. the 
Fast and future question. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, you're challenging me as much as I'm challenging you, but you're so right. It's so true. Like, I love that. If, uh, today is the best day of your life. Mm. Because yesterday you can't change and tomorrow's not guaranteed. So if you don't recognize today as the best day of your life, you're really you're a fool. Yeah. Where where does this wisdom come from? Like where do you think it comes from? Smart people have told me these things. I'm just an old hillbilly that lives in the woods, but I'm smart enough to listen to wiser people. Now the old wise people that taught me all these things that are important are mostly gone. So it's important that I pass it on since someone took the time and trouble to tell me. Do you have any other like like favorite things that people have taught you that you like like to pass on or make sure that you tell other people? Yeah, but they just pop up and then they, yeah. you never know what things that I just invented myself. You tell people this is your be your closing question would be what's my last final thought dream big dreams and make them happen yeah yep it was spurred because that i i had a my first really an injury from running where that i wasn't sure what was wrong and i wasn't sure it would ever get fixed and i thought ah this transcon that floats in my head like every runner surely has in their head that it would be cool to run across the country that hell if i get this fixed and i'd better do it and then you think well i don't have the time and i don't have the money and i don't have any way to have crews you know there are a hundred obstacles to crossing the country so the only thing to do was just start planning it and you know you just keep planning it and whittling away at the, at the different obstacles and then it happened you know you don't get to be without having a few issues and i've got a few i think of myself as being in good health but there are some issues and and i just thought and so all i had to do to cross the country is walk 30 miles in a day and then tomorrow do it again and the next day and and after you do it 126 times, there's the ocean. Dude, you're like blowing my mind right now. There's so there like there's no no for you. Like you're dot like you you figure it out. Everything's figure outable, basically. Uh, no, if everything could be if every if you could do anything that you wanted bad enough, I would have won the Olympic marathon in 1972 and probably 76 1980s <laughs> we held out and then my career would have been over i think you know it was good that i didn't quit trying to be an olympic marathoner until it was obvious that yeah there's not anything i can do it didn't even dawn on me when when this is popping into my head that i should stop and think wait how fast are they running every mile isn't that <laughs> as faster faster than i can run just one mile <laughs> oh my god big dreams Three dreams and but you never you know you'd be surprised what you find that you can do
and then when you when you hit an obstacle you just i don't know if they had them when you were a kid the little cars with the fly when you and get them going and they take off and if they hit a wall they back up turn and shoot off in a different direction i uh, know what no i don't know what that is uh this is a little toy car they had when i was a kid and oh okay cars where you get the flywheel going so that they're spinning and you put yeah. them down and take off yeah yeah, well, yeah. These, if you're a wall or or a, a, you know your mother's foot or something <laughs> it would stop them they just back up and take off in a new direction yeah that's like they the roomba and that's you used to be a roomba <laughs> Because what I started out wanting to be was a great football player because that's where it was at. Well, I'm five feet tall, weigh 70 pounds. You can't play football. Uh, maybe if you were rocket fast, but, you know, that, so that's us. So what do you do? You look, you, all that's left is track and cross country. So you run track and cross country because there's nothing else. You still want to be good. You're not. But somewhere along the way, you get you know, I ran, went longer and longer and longer till I got the ultras. There were no ultras to run. I directed one and thought, no, I actually am better at this than I am what I started out to. So yeah, success is really just a whole bunch of failures stuck together where you took off in a different direction. That's so true. And I love the analogy of the Roomba, which I'm going to think of as the Roomba, but you're talking about the little cars. But yeah, like I love that. that and that gives me like a good visual. Are you sick of talking about the Barkley Marathons? Do you get sick of talking about it? Um, not that much, because most of the time I'm out here and I've talked a little and little, little doesn't ever answer back and she doesn't she lives in her own world and <laughs> she's not she's interested is it time to eat is it time for my stinky treat is it time for us to go for our walk so but i so i have questions about the barclays marathon because that's the one that i know the most about but is that the idea like basically people go out on this uh adventure and like it's just about like failing and then trying new ways like every year because most of the people that have finished it are like have done it multiple times right everyone comes everyone used to come thinking they could do the hundred and now pe people have at least gotten to the point where they'll say i'm not sure i can do the hundred but i'm sure i can do the fun run and it's like the well the fun run is only there as an act of cruelty it makes it even harder to finish the hundred. It's uh, if if you get to the fun run and you're three laps in, and you're really hurt because everyone's hurt by the end of three laps. It's pretty easy to think. Well, at least I got the fun run. Or, right. Yeah, I got the fun run. I'll get the hundred next time. I don't know how many people have told me that, and of course. They're never in that position again. It's it's an allegory for life. Never stop where you're at just because you're going to do it tomorrow. Because tomorrow's not guaranteed. That's right. Uh, this is this is the only chance you might ever get. But what it turns out 
people get out there and they get a they get a real dose of reality and you have to adjust in your mind where success lies some people chase the fun run their whole career i see them come in and they try it time and again and then time catches up and they get too slow they come so close but don't quite make it maybe maybe once they make it once or twice but they can't get in under the time limit and then then of course when you start to get old you, you, there comes a point when you're not ever going to do what you used to do and you know it but a lot of people be at one lap or two laps or three laps or the hundred they we try to give them opportunities to to reach what they can potentially do their best you came thinking you could I'm, i think i might can do the hundred i know i can do the fun run but maybe it takes you three attempts to finish one lap because one lap out there is really hard right and so like so a couple things so the so you go out going to do the hundred but because you have this other accomplishment called the fun run, some people get to that fun run part and like, well, I've done that. And that's like an accomplishment. So I can like bail on the hundred because at least I did the fun run. So it's really this mental like thing against yourself to like keep it's going. Why, it's the same reason that I stress out over women's divisions in the backyards. People get locked into their paradigms and we believe it's a running sport you should have a women's division what never really crossed my mind until i started seeing them play out and lo and behold you've removed the speed and strength as a factor the backyard is one on mental toughness and the women can compete right there with the men we've we win in the 2020 national championships there were 21 races seven of them won by women and it wasn't that it wasn't like uh some tiny country it was germany and the usa and uh new zealand and all these because that women can compete but people are locked on the idea you must have a women's division you must declare a women's winner which to me it's like you're relegating women to second place Mm. I get it. You can't run an open marathon with the men. It's a physical impossibility. I get it. You can't uh, enter weightlifting competition with the men. It's a physical impossibility. But, but for this one, you can compete. But if you have a race with a women's division, when the when the woman is told she won the women's division, she stops. Mm-hmm. And it's like no this the whole idea of the backyard is exploring your personal limits not beating the other women right although beating the other people is a good thing i'm a competitive guy <laughs> i i would like to run the backyard because i think i could do well but it just it, it's frustrating to me because i think i it it took a while actually for women to start winning them 
we would, uh, there was only a few backyards at first. And so Little's was one of the, the most, and we had a couple of years in a row where a woman would get down to the last two or three. But there would be this doubt. The men won't let me win. Mm. Don't tell me that. Tell, mm-hmm. tell me you're not going to let those men win. How can the men not let you win? But finally, when somebody finally broke the ice, and it's like anything else humans do, you need to see that. When you see someone else do it, you know you can do it. Yeah. And oh my God. so it's, it's like, oh, this was, this was a totally unexpected, unplanned for thing. But it's great to have a running sport where women and men can compete dead yeah. even. No woman's tees, no woman's division. The women, <laughs> the, the women who like, who, who like win or do well in these, like, what kind of experience did they have? Like somebody coming in like me, like I, I have a marathon background, like whatever, like it, are the people that win, like, would you expect them to win? Or are they just like anybody like just normal? Uh, Courtney Dawalter won the U S championship. Well, she's amazing. But, yeah. <laughs> and so you, the people that are really great athletes are really great athletes. They're great all the time. You do see some of the, some of the really good runners struggle with the backyard because they can't build a lead. You have to go out and race even every hour. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go 60 hours and there's still someone there. You're not ahead. You're tied. So like, what's the, like to run this race, like, I mean, it sounds like you don't really have to have any experience because you could just do one loop or whatever. It's like so, anything else you yeah. want to do. You'll get better at it as you do it a few, a few times and get your, get things down. But see, there's not only the fast runners that are good. You have this whole second set of people who are really good at backyards that they're not fast enough for the other races, but mentally. And for their mental and physical toughness, we always, you know, you know those guys. You know he's a tough runner. He doesn't ever win because everyone runs off and leaves him at the start, and there's not enough time to catch him. But in the backyard, all of a sudden, they're even with everybody every hour, and, and those guys with those attributes, they become really tough nuts to crack. So you and, see around yeah. world people who become backyard specialists because they're not as fast as the fastest guys, but they can grind those fastest guys into, into jelly given enough time. Is there anything crazy about the backyard, like the Barclays where like you light a cigarette to start? Do you light a cigarette to start all the races? No, no, you ring a bell for the backyard because it's all about answering the bell. You have to be in the starting corral when it starts. And when the bell rings, you have to go. And you get no aid until you get back, which it's four miles. See, if you can't go four miles without aid. They do, they have races like in Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi and places like that where it's 108 degrees yeah, every day they'll have water stops in the middle of their four mile loop because yeah, if it's 108 degrees, you could probably stand to get it to get yeah. water halfway through your four mile loop. You have races <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. 
yeah, can you believe there's a, a backyard in Saudi Arabia? Like, how did that, how do they even like do that with you? Or how does somebody call you and it's like, hey, we want to start this? Like, how, like, oh my God, like, do you travel you all? You can find the place to start the race and, and all kinds of races count. Like I say, the first, we really, the, the, the personnel for Biggs is me and Sandra and our friend Jeremy. Now, that's what we'll have for Littles. And that's all the people we need to put it on because it starts and ends in one place. You can have all your stuff right there. Yeah, like what I love is like you've taken this concept of like keeping it simple, but like making it like really big. <laughs> like it, like it's like keep keep it simple, but like blow it up. It's like crazy. Well, they have they have fancy ones, you know, where that they have food courts and and yeah, you know, all this stuff. But I think it did. When you go to those races and all the people standing around at the, at the food court between laps, they're idiots. They're not going to last long. You need to stay off your feet. But they're not there to go for four four days. Right. There's which is a whole lot different. When you have bigs, people will be coming in and they get off their damn feet right away. Right. It's more they, they take it more seriously because this is going to you know if it's going to go on for four days or more. It's a whole different way to look at it. So a couple of the things like that I wanted to ask about also with the Barclays is like, so with that one, like you don't tell people when it's going to start, right? Like, is that part of the challenge right. of the race? There's a lot of this stuff is built. I, cause I also coached for a long time and not in baseball and basketball, not in running. Okay. And, uh, so you you learn the the attributes. There's a lot of things about sports and athletics that you wouldn't learn otherwise. And the hardest thing in sports is uncertainty. Um, in, in, in any sport, and, and in running, and runners are inveterate planners. Yeah, I mean you've been around them enough to know that they want to plan. They want to plan out exactly how much they'll drink and when which is insane because there's too many variables. You can't, you can't actually pin that down. And if you work on a schedule, you, you doom yourself. Right. But in the Barkley, everything is uncertain. They don't know exactly what the course is going to be until the day before the race. They don't know where they're going to start until an hour before the, the cigarettes lit. And when you're sitting and looking at laps that can take from eight to, to 15 or 16 hours, what you carry is affected by when it starts because when it starts determines when am I going to be in the dark? I only had the map since yesterday to figure out where I would be probably in the dark. You know, now what do I need to take with me for an all-day loop or an all-night loop? So you're literally starting to put your race plan together. You have an hour to get your stuff together and start formulating your race plan. Oh my, that's insane. Why do you do that to people? <laughs> yeah, and then the book checkpoints and then and the no course markings. Every time you get to a book, 
and you take that page out at that moment, you know exactly where you are on the course. And you know you're in the right place. Yeah. But when you put the book back down and start away, you're not certain again until you find <laughs> the next book. Uh, so mean. So you, you spend <laughs> all of your time having to operate with doubt. Right. Now, like, so I, if uncertainty is kind of like the challenge with Barclays, like, do the other races have like some sort of like challenge that's like themed like that? Like if uncertainty is like the main thing there, like are they do they all have some sort of, you know, thing, like sleep, sleep deprivation is like the <laughs> backyard or. One is each one like, gives you a chance to explore different parts of your of your mind. The uh, the strolling gym coming up this weekend. It's you have a lot more just participant runners now than you used to. But if you like to race, the strolling gym is ideal because the course is highly varied. It's a good it's a good race to come up with a game plan. You know, I wanna I wanna especially for the leaders. It's like there's there's all kinds of different terrain out there. Well, you kind of like the race to be decided in the area where that you're the best. You know, if right. you're if you're if you're a really tough uphill runner, you want to get into some of those nasty hilly sections and make the race be decided there. So you got to kind of control the flow of action so that this is the decisive moment. Or if you're the guy who's just got lay it out flat speed, these these long five and 10 mile stretches that are just the gradual downhill grade, that's where you want to see the race decided. Yeah. So you, you get, there's a, there's a lot of play in the strolling gym if you're running competitively. So that way you can use strategy. Really pretty. Yeah. The, uh, the, the uh, backyard just comes down to the will to win. Well, I was telling them that there's a tendency because the paradigm thing, people are stuck in paradigms. They say, I want to have a really hard backyard, so I'll get a really tough course with big, giant hills. No, those are the easiest backyards because the course ends it early. The hardest backyards are where there's only enough terrain to keep mm. you from and that it's the easier it is to make that 4.1667 miles the harder the race is because in the in the perfect backyard when you start there's only two possible outcomes one you win two you mentally quit wow <laughs> because physically you can still do it yeah and it's Dang. it's really amazing to see when you get like these championship fields the the world championship there's a bunch of guys coming who are the dominant guy where they live they've never lost they win yeah. and win and win no one can beat them and now they're all going to be on the same in the same place a bunch of people who don't quit oh my gosh i can't imagine what it's like to see the like final laps of that like race like that's got to be insane just to see the like grit 
everybody has a quit point, but man. <laughs> yeah. Has anybody ever like had to get like emergency like services? Like do people like push themselves so much that they need like medical help? Well, no, because if they're not doing anything really hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they're just keeping on doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow, that's so crazy. What about the um race for all ages? That's a different race that you do, right? Right. That and, one. That one. That? Everybody gets the number of hours that they are old. It's uh, it finishes on Labor Day Monday at noon, and okay. everybody gets at least forty hours. So the last start is forty hours before that, which is eight. What eight hours? afternoon two days earlier so it'd be sunday saturday it's just like eight o'clock at night on saturdays is the last start the oldest guy this year is 90 something and he'll so he'll be starting see 96 hours would be four days right so he would be from from monday to sunday saturday friday thursday Thursday wow. afternoon, he'll be starting. And oh, yeah. then an hour later or something, he, I think someone just a year, year younger than him. So for an hour, you're the youngest, fastest guy on the track. <laughs> and then awesome. the next hour the, is like the 94-year-olds, then the 93-year-olds. And for oh, an hour, they're the youngest, fastest guys on the track. But of course, the 94-year-olds are already an hour ahead. Right. By the time you get to the people that are 48, you know, this guy's been running for two days and he's way ahead, but you're younger and faster. We did a lot. I did a lot of work with the uh, age group data that's available. And it looked like this would work out pretty good. And it's worked out great because we've had a winner. We've had winners that were 49 or 50. And we've had winners as old as 75, 76, because they get so far ahead and those other guys are faster. But a lot of these old guys are, you know, they they're physically can't do what they used to, but they're not gonna give it away. They get out ahead and they wanna hold that lead as long as they can and you see them fighting down to the end they're trying to hold on while this other guy, while the next guy's trying to catch up i love how you've taken these um challenges and made them like so everybody's on the same playing field and you've really turned like physical sports into mental sports it's yeah. basically what you've done <laughs> uh they're all mental to some extent but you like to accentuate that and the biggest thing for the race for the ages is We'll have, you know, 40 or so guys over 70, 40 or 50 maybe, that are over 70 years old. And a lot of them are want one more hundred. Well, there's not anywhere else where that they can make the cutoffs to do a hundred mile or anymore. Right. So they've got that. Some of them, they're really limited to just doing a little bit each day. But these are the guys I used to race back with back forever ago and there's all this long history just to be out there one more time 
So some of them will just come during the day and do a few hours just to just to be a part of it and see everybody and and then if you've got any chance at I know this year I'm gonna go for one more hundred. I have the secret oh, dream of mind of breaking 48 hours so it would count on Nick Marshall's oldest hundred miler list. <laughs> I don't think it's probably realistic, but I think about it when I train. I do the math over and over again how it could happen because you never, as an athlete, you never go into a competition without thinking, I could win. Yeah. You part of you have two brains. An athlete needs two brains. One brain knows numb. The the days of me breaking 48 for a hundred miles is just gone. But the other part of me says, unless. <laughs> if I can go out and do the first four hours, this you know this many miles, and then take a rest break for thirty minutes, and then the next four hours do this many, and then you add them all up in your head, and you come and you come out with, yeah, I think I could end up if I could get into the last six hours with a shot. I think I could suck up or suck it up and and deal with it for six hours and so all you need is like a little bit of hope like a little bit of chance and you're gonna try to figure it out probably when i get out there um I'll, that, that first four hours will put it to bed and i'll say okay well so much for that but right now it's fun to to do my training and try to think how can i how can i do that how do you it's deal with because it used to be about breaking 24 hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> how do you deal with like do you get disappointed like when you go out for something and then you don't do get it done like does that like how do you deal with that do you get upset about it or not if that doesn't bother you because you went out and tried if you if you don't uh if you don't give a good effort then you would be really disappointed um if you give up easy, I've got a big advantage on not giving up easy because I've been around so long. I've seen so many great runners do so many great things. You know, the Barkley and the and the, the backyards and all these races, the Ball States. And you kind of feel like, well, I can't just roll over and die. I can't ever give up because. I've seen how people don't give up and, it, and it's 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 really simple you just don't give up everything that comes up the only thing in your mind is how you get past it you know how to can i fix it can i can i put together a workaround can i do i just put my head down and and go through it but you never think you never think about anything except how you go on well, how do you know you're done then? <laughs> when you get to. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if you like you like, how do you know, like you're actually done? Like, what if you like literally cannot get to the finish? Like, you, you like, like, is that just not in your like. <laughs> it's, it's like how do you know you put your best effort forward, I guess. It's not that likely to happen in the uh, in the in the transcon in 2018. I tore the labrum in my left hip. Oh, 
And I didn't know what was wrong at the time. I just knew that I was really hurt. But you think, well, I got 500 miles to go. You can't go 3,000 miles and then quit 500 miles from the end. That's just unheard of. But yet, still, in real terms, 500 miles is still pretty far. Yeah. And so you just, you know, I, it, was, it was up and down with how I was doing. I worked on, you know, you think, okay, the biggest thing is now I have to keep going. And when it happened, my leg was in, what happened is I picked my leg up and I literally thought when I put my foot down, I would just go down. I didn't yeah. think, because I, I thought I'd, my hip had broken. But it didn't. It held my weight. So the next, okay, I need to adjust my stride and kind of reduce what is some pretty intense discomfort. <laughs> but then you also, you can't adjust your stride for something where that you start doing something funky and then you're going to break down somewhere else. Right. So you have to keep it even. So it was... The last 500 miles was really a matter of focusing on how to maintain. And then you have your, you know, you just got to sleep every night. So, you know, hoping that in the morning you would wake up, it would feel a little better. And some days it felt better and some days it didn't. But you're just, you know, how do I get to the end? And you don't let other thoughts get in your head. That's like relentless, like crazy. I did think, you know, possibly I'm damaging my hip. You know, I don't know exactly what's wrong, but <laughs> it could be that walking out this way for 500 miles would do permanent damage. And I decided I would rather finish the race, even if it did permanent damage. Okay. It's, uh, it's, you know, I have a little trouble getting out of cars. I don't have the range of motion I used to have. And then in training for this, to train for the next transcon, that's one of the things I've worked on is to strengthen that hip. For a long time, it would get sore when I walked, but I've gradually, you know, some injuries really take years to get, that you're still getting better years after it happened. So there's nowhere, like, like this is going to happen. Like, you're not, like, you're going to do this one way or another basically. No, I, I got my fingers crossed. Okay. You know, when you, when you get up in these kind of numbers, I cannot be here to do it next year. And it wouldn't be like, Oh my God, can you believe? No, yeah. I'm kind of in that time period. It's, it's, it's like premature dementia at 65. You say, look at all the good things. I can, I am no longer at risk of early onset Alzheimer's. Mm. If I get Alzheimer's, it'll be timely, timely. onset. Right, right. The, uh, the ARFTA, we, we lose people. Almost every year you have somebody that's not back. If you mm. have uh, a, a gathering with 40 guys between 70 and 100 years old every year, Oh, there's, it's just not going to be unexpected for someone not to be back. And then people say, 
Well, you, you know, you had this guy die this year and this guy died that year. And some of them have died right around, you know, one, one went down at the race and, ne and never made it home. And one guy died after the race. Wow. And they said, you know, you're going to run out of 70 year olds. No, we meant a new crop every year. A new crop. That's an, amazing. Supply of 70 year olds. Every month closer I get, I feel better about my chances. What, like, if this wasn't what you did, like if you didn't direct races and you didn't go out and do like these challenges for yourself, what do you think you would be doing, like, as a career? Uh, yeah, I, I would be working on the farm and doing gigantic jigsaw puzzles and. I know, but I can I can't uh, imagine not doing the things I do because I'm certainly having a lot of fun. Were you an accountant at some point? Yeah, I was an accountant for uh, thirty-five years. I've been a stonemason. Uh, was a hospital orderly. I've wiped butts for a living. What? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Uh, so. Okay. Oh, I have a question. Oh, I have a really good question. What scares you? Like, are you scared of like any animals or anything? <laughs> no, you have respect for them. We have lots of rattlesnakes on the farm. And you, you, you want to be aware of where they are, you know, pay attention, but you don't, you don't fear things. You just respect it. Okay. What about ghosts? Do you believe in ghosts? <laughs> no, but I lived in, we lived in a haunted house. When? Um, let's see, would have been when Case was three, because Amy was born there. It was a pre-Civil pre War mansion up on the hill, and it had, had 14 fireplaces. It had a ballroom. It had a 3,000-square-foot polished mar marble floor. Wow. It was it was in really bad condition and the wind blew through the walls and you had the heat. You could keep maybe two fireplaces going at a time. It had old slave quarters out back in the big smokehouse and wow. All this stuff was up on a hill. So we tried to keep two fires going we uh in the winter you brought in a wash tub and and filled it with water and heated water in the on the stove to put hot water in the wash tub to take a bath what <laughs> we okay so you lived in this haunted house wait how many kids do you have and, and it had it had two balconies it had the huge balcony in the front with the front porch and it had the gong with the wind stairs up the middle yes. but it had they had not only the stairways for the for the regular people but it had like st slave passageways for the slave to go between the different wow. parts of that house wow that's so crazy. Wait, so um, you live there, and how many how many kids do you have? Because I I didn't even know I don't even know your like situation with kids. How many do you have? Three. You have three kids, and it was you, your wife, and your three kids that lived like in this. Me, my wife, and and uh, Case, and then Amy was born in that house. 
and she was born in October. And because the house was almost impossible to heat, uh, with a brand new baby, we moved to a different location. Okay, gotcha. We just we saw it and said, "Oh, wow, I've got to live in this house. It's so That's, cool." The yard, yeah, yeah. two hundred and sixty-eight acre yard, five acre pond in the yard. Wow. And, that's so that's but, so awesome. But the things that we had the the back, of course, it had been um, a mansion before the war. They used it, of course, as a hospital during the war. That was so haunted. Alma campaign went through there, and then in the 1950s, they housed mentally ill people there. That is the most haunted house I've ever heard of. So you would you would like see and hear things that we had the 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 back balcony the small balcony on the side of the house that door was open every morning uh, I finally nailed a board across that door and the next morning the the nails were pulled out of the wall and the board was on the floor and the door was open and you don't believe in ghosts. No. What do you think happened to it? Well, I don't know. I don't know the explanation. <laughs> oh my was, gosh! That was... Then our bed was up against the the slave uh, stairs that went from the ballroom upstairs down to the the room where we slept in, which wasn't really a bedroom, but you kind of retreat to the center of the house to try to keep a warm place. And uh, so we're sitting there and we hear it sounds like a marble rolls across the ballroom floor. Uh -huh. And it gets the first step in it and it goes, thunk, 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 all yeah. the way down the steps one at a time and then tick, tick against the door. And I reached over and opened the door. There's nothing there. Okay, it go. It was a ghost. And did, did anybody else in your family believe in ghosts? Uh, no, but everybody heard stuff. I mean, you heard and saw stuff. One day, Sandra called me at work, and I had to come home because of the noises in the house had been so loud. She got in her car and drove down to the end of the drive because it had the big gone with the wind driveway with the you know with the house up on top of the hill. And she was down waiting by the road because she said there has to be someone in there to make that much noise. I would never sleep there ever. I, I would be I, so scared. My understanding is that people before and afterwards that like would go and stay one night and leave during the first night and never go back. But <laughs> wait, where was this house? Um on Thompson Thompson Creek Road in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, it's the the stroll goes near it. I bet it. Does it have a name? It's got to be like some kind of like house, like Beach, written about. It was called Beach Hall. Okay, I'm gonna look it of up. I bet there's like stories. Had a name, but you know, there's a lot of those old mansions around this around the south. Yeah, that's so cool. I love haunted stuff. I love like ghosts and scary movies and everything like that. So like while I would never want to stay there, I really like love hearing about it. You would have had a ball there. 
Oh, I would have been so scared, but I would, yeah, I would have loved it. I love being scared. So like, I would have loved it, but at the same time, I wouldn't like that. Those stories that you're telling me are like making me so happy. I'm like, this is amazing. You like literally lived in a haunted house. I guess you would <laughs> that was told that was definitely haunted 100% haunted so I you can't explain it other than ghosts so I have a couple just a couple more questions uh yeah like what can you leave us with this final thought or like why running helps like because the name of the show is maybe running will help what, how would you answer that how does running help oh man running is the uh You should, you should run every day. That's what the GV rat's about. There's an award for the GV rat, the, the red rat. If you run the whole thousand kilometers and you run every day and don't take a day off. And then there's the inertia, inertia award. If you run every day for the whole 123 days, whether you finish, don't finish, finish twice. Just to run every day. Yeah. Did the was 126 days people said how many days did you take off i'm not a day off kind of guy <laughs> i mean it sounds good but then i would be sitting there in that motel room and after two hours you'd be thinking i i could be doing something right so running provides a nice framework that makes the rest of your day good you know you run do you ever feel terrible at the end of a run i mean mentally not mentally you really hard, you can be physically beat up but even on your worst day if you go out and run when you get back you feel better right if you're if you're married then you get well, probably not someone like you where that every day would be roses and sunshine. But if right, yeah. like me, there is occasionally friction. And when you get really pissed off at your spouse, you go run. And if they run too, they go run. And then when you get home, well, you just lost your mad. You burned it off. Yep. Running, basically running always helps. So running always helps. Yeah, <laughs> great. And we, and when you it's a ultras are great training for old age because if there's some discomfort also in old age and in ultras you learn how to put everything in its place and just keep going mm. and not really focus and dwell on those things i look around first i look at myself and i think oh man what i used to could do and what i can do now it's just sad and then you look at people your age and the vast majority of them, you're still better off. Right. <laughs> you beat the hell out of yourself for 60 years, but you're still better off than they are. Yep. Because they can't do shit. <laughs> you're so awesome. Like, I wish I could just meet you in person and, like, just talk to you for, like, hours. I feel like I could just listen to you talk forever so funny like you just have so many stories i bet i don't know that's pretty much the opposite of attitude my family has <laughs> say, I, oh god what a dad's stories <laughs> oh no way uh, I, I think it's fascinating for sure and i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna look into those backyard races and if i end up signing up for one i'll let you know because i 
would love to like meet you in person. Well, sign up for Littles because I think it's not full. We did we don't promote it. We just kind of let whoever drifts in there drifts in there. So we just get a good group of people that are here to have fun and see how far they can go. A lot of the backyards, I know it was a big thing when I was in Sweden, they hang a bell at the finish line. And when someone comes in and they've gone the furthest they've ever been, they ring the bell. Oh, fun. The bell starts ringing on the second loop. It's, they'll have 200 people in a race and only, only maybe 10 or 12 are there to try to win. Everybody else is there for their own personal goals. That's so fun. That's so fun. I'm really, really like excited about that. And I love that it rings a bell every time gets somebody gets their furthest because then you're like always cheering. Like you're always like excited for somebody. Um, well, it's been so awesome to like talk to you. And I hope that you like have a great, I know you're going out today, great run today. And that your race this weekend is awesome that you're doing. And uh, yeah, I look forward to like staying connected. Are you on social media? Um, I have a Facebook page that I write stuff on sometimes, but I don't follow much Facebook. The rest of the social media, I haven't really ever figured out. So. Okay. All right. So how do people connect with you? I do emails. Okay. Okay, cool. I have a phone, but you know, it doesn't ring maybe once a week. So. (laughs) Uh, well, when my phone rings, I hardly answer it. So, <laughs> um, but it was really great to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. Like I said, I like emailed and I was like, I know you probably don't want to talk to me. I don't know anything about maps or anything, but like, I just am so interested and fascinated with you. I think you're amazing and I appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate you having me on, but you know, the secret is I'm not really amazing. I just really am an old hillbilly that lives in the woods. No, you're like so smart and like you have all these lessons and I, you're just fascinating. I've just tried to pay attention to smart people as I went along. Well, I'm going to pay attention to you because I think you're really smart. So I <laughs> thank you for um, all your wisdom and I will definitely keep in touch and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Well, you too. Okay. We will see you in October. I hope so. Thank you. Again, again, and again, and again, and again. <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Les. You too. Bye. Bye. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to Laz for joining us. Be sure to check out all his races at LazarusLake.com. Please remember to rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and follow me on Instagram at Nikki underscore Tamarino for all the latest content. That's N-I-C-K-Y underscore T-A-M-B-E-R-R-I-N-O. Until then, this is Nikki Tamarino. Don't forget to keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how maybe running will help. Have a great run, everybody. I hit record it
job, you can't ignore it. I'm transforming now, these cars and planes, I'm always boarding. Just out touring down in Charlotte, like I play for Hornets. When I'm performing, never boring, now you can't afford it. Champagne, Perrier, finished friends on my face. Looking like a front of D, D's no Cartier. Pockets deep, 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 bro. I can make it in my seat, bro. Do you and doing me, bro. Making noise, use a Overseas then, we gon' go, go, go Whoa, whoa, I press the button